Okay, James chapter 5, verse 17 through 20 will be our scripture for today, tonight. I'm going to read through here and then we'll go over it. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruits. Verse 19, Brethren, if any among you wanders from the truth, and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Okay, and James here, he starts off with, which is actually part of uh, what you guys went through last week about prayer. Uh, even Fernando said praying, you know. Uh, he gives the example of Elijah. Elijah or Elias, um, his, his name is meaning uh, Jehovah is God, is my God. And thank God that he is our God, right? Um, he was a prophet of God in the Old Testament, used greatly by God. Uh, he's mentioned in the New Testament several times. Let me just read a few of you. Uh, read, a few of you. read a few of them so we get an understanding of uh, what I'm going to say right now. In Matthew 16... Verses 13 and 14, it says, When Jesus came into, into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Verse 14, So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Uh, remember when and he, tells, he tells Peter, Who do you say that I am? He says, You're the Son of God. Um, here, people in the... The Jewish culture, they're taught the Old Scripture, the Old Testament, from, from kids, from birth, you know. Uh, they know all these stories. And it's interesting that some of them said he was, thought he was Elijah because a lot of them thought of Elijah as a superman, a superhero, if you would. On Matthew chapter 27, verses 46 and 49... It says, in about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama shapadini, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there, when they heard that saying, said, this man is calling for Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, and offered it to him to drink. Verse 49 says, the rest said, let him alone let us see if elijah will come to save him so the reason why i share the, those scriptures is uh the jewish people thought of elijah as you know more than a mere human being as we see through scriptures you know some said he was jesus was calling out for elijah to come and save him uh so this man you can tell he was looked to a lot a lot of people know what god used him for um and with this book here, you know, a lot of people believe that it was written to Jewish Christians because the open verse to the 12 tribes. Uh, and I'll get to that more later. So they looked to Elijah who was a man, a human being, who was created by God in Genesis 1, verse 26 and 27. He was formed of the dust, Genesis 2, 7. He was made in God's image, image Genesis 9, 6. 
In Ecclesiastes 3.20 it says, All go to one place. All are from the dust and all return to the dust. And that's speaking about our body, not our soul. Because we know you're either going to go up or you're going to go down. Uh, here it's just saying that he was a man. In Ecclesiastics. He was a human being. Like me, like you. With weaknesses, imperfections, feeble and frail. The precaution here or the protection here of God's not wanting us to worship other gods or worship any other thing but Him is um, some men might be good teachers, awesome speakers, handsome men, uh, have big churches. But even with that, when churches fall, everybody falls because they were looking to the man instead of Christ Jesus the man. Um, thank God for that warning that we, we honor those and we're thankful for those who teach. Um, but it's a, it's a warning for us to be careful to uh, what we hear, who we hear it from, and to check it through God's Word. No matter who the person, who the face, what's the name. In Acts 3.12, is speaking of Peter and John, after God had used them as a vessel to heal a man who was um, lame from his legs, he says, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us? As though by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk. So even Paul would tell him, you know, they were all amazed. They wanted to, to make a sacrifice after they healed this man who was going to the Bethesda pool to get healed. And everybody would go before him and he would be last. And so they were looking at Paul if somehow in his own power or something in his own human being strength that he made that man whole. And Paul uh, corrects them by saying, you know, why do you look at us in this way? And, you know, God will use some of you. God will use me and other people to do amazing things. Um, I was just surprised one time. Uh, I was in Syria in L.A. And I seen this big old Great Dane walking around lost. I'm not one of those people, but, you know, I just, you know what I mean. But, you know, I just wanted to get him home, you know, a big old dog like that. And uh, so I couldn't see the owner. I couldn't find the owner. I couldn't see nobody. And I couldn't take him to my house or my apartment, surely. Uh, he probably eat more than me. But so I prayed, Lord, you know, help me to find this owner of this, this animal here. And I was, I'm driving around. I see this guy with a flashlight running around all crazy, looking around. I say, like, oh, thank you, Lord. And I pulled up. Say, hey, is this your dog? He says, yeah, he snuck away on me and stuff. You know, I was hoping I should have, you know, looked for the opportunity to share with him. It wasn't about, you know, that just returning the dog, but, you know, praying and, and, and God wanted to use me in that, in that way or something. But to me, that was something big, you know. Man, that just answered in one second, maybe half a second. Um, and though I've seen people get healed, myself got healed in my liver from my consequences from... Uh, my sin in the past, I had a pastor pray for me and I got healed from my liver, you know. Um, I don't worship that man. I thank that man for just, you know, praying for me because I know it was God that ultimately healed me. Some of you have been healed of things. Uh, some God's healed completely and took them home. Um, and it's amazing how God would just use us as vessels to reach out to others. But even as Elijah, we have to protect ourselves and not to get puffed up and, you know, think it's of ourself, which I sadly see so many of uh, 
whether it be worship leaders, uh, people who worship the Lord or teaching God's word, uh, somehow get misled or turned away, uh, thinking they were something that they were not. And we go, God does not share his glory with another. So he was a man with a nature like ours, it says here. He was a man. Um, human beings just like you and me. It says with a nature like ours. Now that nature is not our fallen natures. We know how you know our fallen sinful nature. But that nature speaks of it in this way. In King James, in the King James version, it says Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. Passion of like feelings or affections, intense emotions, desire. Um, Just like you and me, you have, in other words, let me put it this way. You have a desire to seek the things of God and to do God's will. Uh, This is the kind of nature it's talking about. He had a passion, you know, to to serve God and and, and follow God. Um, And that's what it's speaking. It's not speaking about, you know, our other nature, our fallen nature, but more of that wanting to seek, that devotion to seek God. In Acts chapter 14... Verses 14, 15. Acts chapter 14, verse 15. It says this. We'll start in 14. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they were tore, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men with the same nature as you. See that word nature? is the same na- word nature, passion, desire. As you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them. Uh, This is the story of when they healed this man. He was up, jumped up, and was leaping. And you know, they they want to come and uh, make sacrifices and stuff. You know, you know, they are in the Old Testament, want to start building buildings and rocks and make the place holy or something. And this is what they were trying to do. But that word nature, there's. It's what he's speaking about, that passion to serve God. Though we know the Jews try to serve him in, uh, by the law and not by, by the Spirit and by God's grace. But yet they still wanted to please God, a lot of them. Yet they were going by laws and demands and stuff. Um, that's that word, uh, nature. And First Peter, or Second Peter, I won't get lost. You might not think I know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's okay. Just flip the scriptures real fast. <laughs> in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, it says, As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is through the world, through lust. So we have a divine nature, not only the passion to serve God, but we have that nature also, not of the fallen nature, but that divine nature that was given us to want to know the things of God. Um, and so he was, he was a man, and he had a nature to serve God. If, and as it, a lot of people believe this is written to uh, Jewish believers. Um, as I say, I'll get more to that almost in the end, but 
Because he's referring to Elijah, and a lot of them know what Elijah done. You, I'm sure you guys know, everybody and ladies, of the prophets of Baal. He wiped them out, caused the rain to fall and stuff like that, which we'll get to right now. But nevertheless, he was a man like a nature, like yours and mine. And that man doesn't mean man, Wes, we know he was a man. But it means a human being, as, as a ladies, as a man, a human being, okay? And it says, and he prayed. Prayed, it says. Communicated with God. In Ephesians 6.18, it says, For us, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplications for all the saints. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Uh, This is Jesus when he was... We're indicating when they were on the mount in uh, Mark chapter 14. Let me give you a... Matthew, Mark, okay. I know, I'm just messing around. Sometimes I don't know, and I want to let you know, though. <laughs> Verse 38 of Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 14, it says, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Remember, he took up the three, uh, what was it, Peter, James, and John to go pray. And he went up, prayed for an hour, and he came back, and they were snoozing. You know, he wakes them up. He goes, man, you know, can't you just pray for one hour? He goes back up, comes back down. They're sleeping again. And he tells them again, pray, you know, your flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing, which is a truth. But that word pray there. Very important. Um, as the Lord's been showing me, I mean, you know, we've had the study last week uh, here in the church. I think it was on a Saturday about prayer, uh, and I've been—I didn't have a chance to go, but I've been listening through the CDs, the prayer in God's Word. How much is it needed today? You know, um, it's available to us. How much are we using it? I always tell the kids when I teach them, you know, if you go to a Toys R Us. As we know, praying is communicating or talking. You know, you, you would tell your parents how many toys you want real fast. As adults, how, many, how should we be praying? How should I be praying? Not only that, I went to see the movie uh, Battle Room with my wife. If you guys have seen it, it's a, it's a cool movie. It's pretty right on, too. You know, I say right on. Or the war room. Oh, war room. Thank you. I'm into battle, man. Sorry. Pray for me. <laughs> war room. You are correct, sir. War room. If you haven't seen it, you know, you should get a chance to go out and see it. It's in AMC's, which is a miracle in itself to be in an AMC theater. But um, it really spoke to my heart. And uh, when the lady at the end, you know, this, she's encouraged this lady. She said, praise Lord, you know, send me someone to teach them how to pray and pray for their husbands. And so after all this stuff go on, I ain't going to blow the story, but I will tell you the end because you'll see it. Um, the lady asked us, man, you know, I would love to meet your husband. And she turns and she tells, you know, I never got the chance to make that peace with my husband. Um, she, her and her husband, some, some way or another, just wasn't connecting. Her husband was a military man and dedicated to the military but she never got that opportunity to uh, 
share with a man, pray with a man, and love that man until um, God had saved or changed her life. But it's very interesting movie. If you get a chance, go and see it. Not only that, at work, man, one of the guys uh, at my work uh, asked me if I wanted to do a... First started with a Bible study. I was like, well, you know, Bible studies get kind of long, and, you know, we only got a certain amount of time. We don't want to make uh, bad impressions of who God is and, you know, taking too long in prayer meeting or whatever. So he said, what about if we pray maybe twice a week? So I was like, cool. And we started doing that, and, man, instantly God had uh, started to change our lives. Not only that, my friend Jimmy's, because, you know, his wife is not safe in, uh, for many of years. And Jimmy just loves the Lord and just uh, providing for his home heart, you know, just hard worker, man. But he tells me, you know what? <laughs> in the morning I got up, I got my son, I combed his hair, I dressed him. And he goes, you know what? I never do that. And I was thinking, I was like, man, that's awesome. But I was thinking, you know what? His prayer was, you know, whatever it was. But God was wanted to use him as an example to his wife. You know, of a loving husband, you know, by him telling me he's never done that for his son, comb his hair, and all that. To them, to Jimmy, it was weird, you know. And even his daughter had asked if she can wash the dishes, you know. And he's just like, wow. <laughs> so he tells us to encourage us. And, and for you guys, hopefully you get encouraged, you know, that by praying, God does hear. You know, he does hear. Uh, we just, I don't know, sometimes we take it for granted. I take it for granted. Even one hour blows me away because I don't even think I can do ten minutes. You know, um, but prayer is needed. You know, we need to pray, especially when we see the, the days ending the way they are with the stuff that's going on in the churches and the nation. Uh, there's a lot of things to pray for ourselves. Um, God's just been speaking to me that we know, not just because of the study, because it's His Word, but we need we need to seriously be in prayer in these last times, lest we fall away or turn into temptation and give up or not be ready when He comes. You know, our flesh is weak. We go to work. A lot of us have to work. You come home, seems there's no time, but just driving in your car, you know, and keep your eyes open. <laughs> if you're a new believer, keep your eyes open. <laughs> I said, Lord, you know. But prayer is much needed, and constantly Jesus was telling them to pray, pray, pray. And that's what Elijah did. He prayed. Elijah prayed, and when God heard him, uh, just answered prayers. This awesome, man. Just to think that God would hear us now that we're right with him. Uh, before we weren't right with him, he couldn't hear us. But now he hears us. And so prayer, he says he prayed earnestly. Earnestly means sincere, serious, intense, with haste, with zeal. In Luke chapter 22, verse 44 it says, and he being in agony, he prayed more earnestly that his, that his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And this is speaking of Jesus. I wanted to give you kind of a visual uh, definition of earnestly. Jesus was just like, oh, can you take this cup away, Lord? You know, this is, you know. No, he prayed, man. He earnestly, you know. Lord, if there's any other way, imagine he's taking all the weight of the world's sins upon him. You know, he didn't take it lightly talking to his father. And as he prayed, he got encouraged and said, Nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. And we need to be more like Jesus. You know, praying. Uh, 
simply put it this way, in prayer, pray. Not just saying things, but really meaning them, being dedicated to it. You know, uh, I am, it's for me also, it just really hit me hard because sometimes I got to the point, you know, I think I've been saved about 17 years, I don't even know. It's probably because I'm saved, I don't have to worry about it. But um, when we pray for dinner, or me and my wife pray for me, I'm just, Lord, thank you for this food, you know. But are we really thanking Him for the food that we got? Really thinking that we got this food because He's given it to us. He's given us His job. Do we take it for granted for the things we have? You know, we, we have to be careful. I have to be careful as church. We need to be in prayer. You know, there's so much we can go to pray for. The Bible speaks of, you know, pray for our, those in authority, the President Obama, uh, the Pope, our family members. There's tons of things ourselves, our pastors, those who continue to teach God's word accurately and correctly according to God's word. A lot of stuff to pray for. And it's for us. Do we use it? Are we like kids in a toy store asking for things and praying for things and praying for people? Are we dedicated knowing that whatever it is, according to God's will, that His will be done in that? And so he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain in the land for three years and six months. And you'll get that in First Kings uh, seventeen one. I can read it. I got time. Plus Fernando took a little bit. So. <laughs> First Kings seventeen one. It says, And Elijah the Tishabite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Wow, (laughs) that's pretty heavy, man. I don't know if I could say that, you know, because if it doesn't happen, man, those days they would stone you to death if you were a false prophet. But he said it. He goes, It ain't going to rain until I say it. And I was like, Wow, that's pretty Confident there. But we know that his confidence was in God. Um, and then again it says uh, in First Kings chapter 18, verse 41 to 45. Then Elijah said to Abraham, Go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of, a, of abundance of rain. And so Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said seven times, and he said, Go again. And verse 44 says, Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, There is a cloud, a small as a man's hand, rising out of the sea. So he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. So then it rained, the Bible says, and James says, then it rained. Um, Where did he get that for? Where did he get that confidence from to pray like that? I mean, we know he had communication with God. We know that we have communication with God. Let's look at 1 Kings chapter 18, 1. It says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, present yourself to Ahab, and I will send 
rain on the earth. There it is. God told him it was going to rain. What I took from this as we pray, we don't have to be lost in our prayers. We have scripture we can pray for. You know, the Bible says, you pray according to my word, it shall be done. You know, we have needs. We pray for our needs. God says he meets our needs. Now, whether they're good for us or not good for us, he might not give them to us. It might destroy us or he might not give it to us because it, it might destroy us. But we have so many ways in the scripture to pray for of, of things yet not yet to come yet, which is his coming back, you know, for us to be prepared. You know, we need to pray for each other, pray for our church, pray for our pastors. Our brothers and sisters will be ready to go, prepped up. And it's all according to his word. You know, that's how he can say confidently, it's not going to rain. You know, yeah, it's going to rain. Because God, he's had communication with God. And you know, we know he was a prophet. And God spoke to him. And, and it's just wonderful. Me and you have that communication with God. Um, it speaks about gifts of prophecy and stuff like that. But we also have prophecy to still come. You know, Jesus coming back for us. Him to judge the world. You know, as many of things people need to re- to repent. Another thing I looked at was, in, if you read in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11, I'm finally losing my eyes, so I gotta bear with me. <laughs> Bibi's bear with me. Deuteronomy chapter chapter 11, verse 16 to 21. It says, Take heed to yourself, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you, and He shut up the heavens so that there would be no rain, and the land yield no produce, and, you're, and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. So see, you got it from Scripture. That was one of the things, if they, you know, they didn't, if, if the Jewish people didn't turn from their sins, God would cease it to rain, which would have been a curse to them, because now you can't, the crops can't grow and, you know, can't water your front yard no more and stuff like that, right? <laughs> um, and sometimes it could be cursing the other way too, as we know in the, when God flooded the, the world, you know. But that, God's blessing is He rains it on the good and the, and, the, and the bad. You know, it causes it to rain. Even these days, who knows if God's judging us, holding back the, the water from us. And, and, and the city is taking advantage of that, right? Trying to uh, tell you what, uh, how many times you can water your lawn and all that. Well, I was listening to them until, you know, I see my niece out there playing, or my granddaughter out there playing in dirt. I decided, you know what, I'm going to put some grass, I'm going to ride her, be moderate and obey them, because we have to obey but and listen, but I'm going to put some grass for my granddaughter so she can play in the grass instead of the mud. You know? Um, and so he... Basically, here he's just saying Elijah was a man like a pet, divine, uh, or like a passion like us. He desired to serve God. He desired God's will be done. And 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 you see, James is pointing to him because as a lot of people believe, I says, as a lot of them are uh, Jewish believers here. They believe uh, because of the introduction to the twelve tribes that are scattered abroad, which when Saul got uh, was getting killed, they all took off. Which it could be, you know. I didn't do too much searching in it, but in the next verse I'll give you something to settle your minds. It would settle my heart. So here he just, he prayed, you know. 
simple prayer according to God's word, you know. Then he prayed again and he came. It's nothing different. It wasn't Elijah that was uh, Superman or anything, but he was a man of God. You are men and women of, of God. You're his children. You know, he's giving you the opportunity to pray. Um, I pray that we would pray. And if not, that we'd start to. And if we still, if we do pray, to continue praying and, and not to lose heart as we see the day approaching. So basically there, he's, he's encouraging us back in Elijah's time. Look at Elijah, you know, and, and, and using that as an encouragement to pray. You know, he was a man. Look what God used him for mighty things there. Um, yet he was a man. And then it goes on to switch um, gears here in, in verse 19. It says, Brethren, if any man, and if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Now, he says, Brethren, here, Sometimes, you know, Paul used it, you know, as I wish my brothers according to the flesh were saved. You know, I wish I was a curse for their sake. Paul used that word. Uh, you and me, sometimes you have a brother or sister, you use the same word, brother. But I have to, to lean more to the side of brethren as, as one of those who've received Christ due to the fact that all the scripture is given can only be done by someone who knows Christ. You know, be, be, one of them was there for be patient until the coming of the Lord, you know. Uh, submit to God, resist the devil. How can you submit to God if you're the, if you don't even know Him? You know, you have to be God to be able to submit to Him and resist the devil. Uh, there's so many scripture in there uh, showing me that you know whether they're a Christian Jew or not. Here's something that will settle your hearts with settle mind in Second Timothy. Second Timothy. Second Timothy. Talking like my grandmother. Three sixteen. It says all scripture, all scripture. Is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for the doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God or woman may be complete, truly equipped for every good work. Um, so this scripture was written, all the scripture we can pull from it. And there are some scriptures that are speaking directly to the Jews, which is for their time. But uh, most of it is, is speaking to believers, whether they're Jewish believers and, or Gentile believers. And yes, Jews do get saved. When me and my wife went to Israel, our, uh, the guy who was doing the tour for us was a Jew Christian. He was saved. You know, he was living over here in Texas for a while, and he went back to Israel, felt that God led him back. And that's what he does. He does the tours for us. Uh, it's beautiful, man, to know that, you know, you see it there. I've seen it. You know, no one can tell me any different. I've seen a Jew that is a Christian who believes in God and speaks the same words. We're all just like, blessed, man. We're all speaking the same language. I'm like, oh, man, we don't have to stone you or beat you up, dude. Just, uh. But, you know, he, they, they do believe. Some do receive. And we know ultimately God is going to go back and deal with them specifically. And so as we study the scripture, you know, we have to study it. It, though it might take days, weeks, whatever, we need to study it and see what it says for ourselves. So he says, brethren, I take it as one who is a believer in Christ. He says, if anyone among you wanders. The word wanders is to roam about aimlessly from place to place to stray. 
you know, I don't know if you're young and got lost, you're, you, know, you don't know where you're at, mom's at, you're scared, you just, you don't know where you're going, you know. It's kind of like us, before we got saved, we were like that, you know, lost. We didn't know where we were going, right? Psalms 119. Hey, this is how you do it. Like Psalms, Psalms 119, verses 10 to 20. And I'll read a little bit for the sake of time. With my whole, I'm going to read it. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander, stray from your commandments. Your word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. That's what Psalm says. Contrary to even even in the Psalms is there it says, Let me not wander away. Let me not move from the truth, err from the truth. So that wandering is it's a walking away, just wandering like you don't know where you're going. We know where we're going. If not, maybe tonight you get to find out where you can go if you don't know Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, there was one who says, who wandered from the truth. The truth, that which is reliable, trustworthy, and consistent with the character and revelation of God, which means God's Word. That's the truth. Another guy told him, I forget his name, so many names in my head right now. But he says, what is truth? That's what a lot of people try to say, what is truth? And actually, you think about it, there ain't no truth in this earth. You know, uh, God's word, God's character, God's absolute truth, that is truth. There's nothing in it that's of a lie. So here he's speaking of the truth, God's word. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, it says, in the beginning was the Word, so before anything was made. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was in the, and the Word was with God, and the world was, the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. Jesus Christ, right? John chapter seventeen, verses seventeen through nineteen says, "Sanctify them by your truth." Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. And so it's speaking of God's word. Before this world or anything in this world was ever created, the word has always been around, which is Jesus Christ. Benny says there, I am the word. Uh, if you ever look through uh, Jehovah Manuscripts, you know, when someone just tries to deny that Jesus is God, they'll have to try to remove something out of there to make it look like, right? But one of the things Jehovah Witnesses do is they put, and the word was a God, a little G, little God. 
to try to distinct, uh, take out that Jesus is, is God. On uh, Catholicism, they would add on. They put Mary and Frankie and someone else in there, St. Frank. and <laughs> Or St. You, you put your name there. You know, if they believe that, they should put our names there too, which is a lie. But that's what they'll, they'll try to do to, to hold their truth, which is a lie. They have to change God's word. And you know, in Revelation, God warns any who takes away and who adds to his word. So he'll take care of all that in the end if they don't repent. Um, in Galatians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, it says, And this occurred because a false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty. See, they even know stealth before even the stealth came out. <laughs> This is one of the, a bomber. It's a secret bomber you can't see. Still to spy out our liberty. Hey, I wonder if they're probably non-believers. Which we have in Christ Jesus that they might bring us into bondage to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. There, Paul is saying you know, these people come in and they try to spy out, see our liberty, how we're not under laws and you know, you have to do all the rosemary kababies or whatever you call them. Rosemary 1, rosemary 2, all that prayer. Or go kill people or go worship some gold or plastic or wood. Um, and Paul said, we didn't even give them, not even an hour to that junk. And neither should we when you hear false stuff. I don't even give it, pay attention, you know. Uh, my thing is, it'd be for those who are sitting under them. Shame on them because... They're not studying God's word because they would know that whatever is standing in front of them, if they're not teaching the truth, they should know it. For God has revealed it to us. And so they have a responsibility too to either leave that church or, or correct that person or man or woman, maybe. I don't know. But also we didn't give them, a, give them a, an hour. And, and, and that's the way it is. People try to come in and see our liberty and they try to bring you back into bondage. You know. I was in bondage for years. I don't like it. You know, I don't even like seeing a dog tied up. You know, how much not more a human being. And having to try to say you submit to all these things when you don't or obey all the commandments when we're just like men, we're, we're feeble, we're weak. Um, and as we hear so much as our pastor encourages and exhorts us all the time to, to be a Berean, to check, God's word out. You know, I always tell my kids, I talk to the kids the way I talk to you because you're God's kids too. Just because you're a little older maybe, but you're still God's children. And I tell them plainly like I tell you. You know, I don't hold nothing back because of God's love for them, you know, my heart and for you. But I tell them the way it is to be careful what they see, read it. Tell them, you hear me saying something, you better check it. And I'll even say stuff and I won't say it right. And they'll say, oh, Frank, you didn't. You know, they, they know right away, man. And I'm like, cool, man. This is the next generation, you know. They tell me, you said this word wrong, Frank. And I'm like, you know, okay. I, you know, correct myself. You know, I don't know how to say some of the words or something. And, and got a little accent, I guess, so it's different for them. But nevertheless, they, they'll correct me and tell me it was wrong, you know. One of my told them, I don't know, they told me, all of them, hey, no, that's not true. And I was like, oh, you know, I kind of slipped. Not that I was teaching any false thing, but I kind of slipped into my next story, so it got 
put together. But, you know, they, they, they watch, they listen, you know. And so we need to be careful, man. Uh, first of all, we, we, have to, we have to be reading God's Word. I never, if I can share with you, but I, I never liked books at all. Even in places where I was at, where all you probably had was a book and a little rat running around with you somewhere. You know, I, that's the only time I probably read a book. But God's word is different. It's not just a book to me. It, it's, it's life. It's real. You know, it's not just storytelling. It's facts, not fiction. It's not opinions. It's, you know, it's fact. And so I'm just amazed that, you know, all this Old Testament, New Testament put together speaks of Jesus Christ. You know, you can the, you go through the verses. You know, I get so much worried about sharing with people falsehood or, or not being accurate. You know, I want to be right on as close as I can. And... You can ask my son here, He's, they'll see me in the back, and I'm trying to pinpoint it. You know, and, and, and even Tony, I tell him about, you know, the stuff I'm trying to figure out. And he tells me, why are you wrestling with God, Frank? You know, and it's true, because I'm wrestling. I already know it. What if, when I read it, he speaks to me, and just what he told me is what I've known all of along. I just have to go and try to make sure, you know. Not because I don't trust God, but I don't trust myself, and, you know, I want to make sure it's right. Because you're valuable in his eyes. And I would hate to be someone who shared God's word inaccurately. So when I hear of men or women sharing God's word inaccurately, that's crazy, you know. That's crazier than I used to be. <laughs> you know, to share God's word like that. Um, and, you know, it says the people in the last days raise up um, men or women having 18 years. They want to tell me what I want to hear, Pastor. You know, don't tell me the truth, just what I want to hear. And so they start raising up these men and women and, and movements, and then when you hear about it, thank God you hear God's word accurately, and you're studying God's word, because it doesn't take much. You can see the light right off the top if you're studying God's word. Not only that, you have the Spirit of God. When I first got saved, you know, some things that I would hear, I would know all of a sudden, you know, that's not of God, you know, because I had the Spirit of God, and He didn't agree with with what they were saying. And so here He's saying, brethren, if anyone among you Wanders from the truth. Now, when our pastor, he goes around telling us a lot of people that say you can't walk from the truth. Now, as I was studying and going through different, you know, I read first and then I go and see what other people think. And, you know, I pray. And a lot of people that I look to, and I've, since I was a, a young Christian, someone believed that this is actually speaking to those who are not saved. And they're men who I value very much, you know, and maybe they're making an error here and they don't know or, and, and if they think that, if they have the thinking of one saved, always saved, then that's not going to mean it's speaking of someone walking away. But it's cool. Our pastor tells us to study and, and check it out, you know, make sure it's true like a Berean. And so this is what I came up with myself, without my pastor, without anybody, but with the Holy Spirit and God. You would have to be in the truth or you would have to be in somewhere to walk away from it. You can't walk away from something that you're not in. That's simple. So it says, wonders from the truth, that someone who's saved, who knows God's word, and for some reason, maybe it's the pastor or somebody that raises up for their ears or the falsehood they hear because it feels good to them, and there's no regulation, consequences, and stuff like that, or they believe, you know, I can do whatever I want and go to heaven, then they would go that this is speaking to those in the world who are not saved. But if you do believe that, you know, we can fall away, 
then you would go with the truth here because in the Old Testament, we can, go, we can be here for hours going through many scriptures where God tells His people, don't walk away, don't turn away. And what did they do? They always turn, turn, turn. They go the other way and God you know, kind of corrects them and then they come back, oh, sorry God, and God receives them back. And then they go back and do it again. So just in the Old Testament itself, you see them going back and forth, you know, as far as even going to, other, to the Gentiles' idols and receiving that. So here, the wanderer is from the truth. It's someone who is a believer, who's received Jesus Christ, who has the Holy Spirit of God, and yes, who's seated in the heavens, but somehow they either chose or got deceived or by their own lust have walked away from God's truth. Because you can't walk away from something you don't know. You have to know it to walk away from it. I kind of feel crazy saying that. Because <laughs> it is. It's confusing. And confusion is not of God. Yes, it's someone who walks away. Um, not only that, I've seen people that I've gone to church with doing things and practicing things that I know the Bible's against. Now, can they tell me that person's saved? By the fruits, I can say no. By their actions and some of this stuff I'm telling you is really ruthless. That a man will leave his wife and a soon-to-be-born baby and a two-year-old daughter for some other woman and saying that, you know, God's doing a new thing here. Okay? We, people can get deceived by their own lust and be blinded again and say foolish things like that. Or to think that a piece of wood is your God or a piece of metal or stone. It's like I told the kids, it's not funny. People worship them stuff. They're lost. It's sad. It's not funny. It's for someone to worship a piece of metal or, or a piece of wood is, or a piece of dust, if even that far, it's sad because they're blind. And so with all my heart and as witness before God, I believe that this is a person that can walk away because he's already given us so many exhortations here of being careful, submitting to God, waiting for His coming back, be careful with our mouths. It's all about protecting ourselves. It's not a work. It's a choice. You know, I know when I used to go out when I first got saved, if I can just be free with you guys, and I would start going through issues, you know, because I was really not raised in the street. I was raised in a good family, but I ended up in the street. And my thing was drinking, so I would always run back to that. But even as a Christian, when I would do that, it didn't feel right. It wasn't fun no more. I just felt like, what am I doing, man? Conviction, condemning, you know, I didn't want to go to church. And, oh, thank God for that, right? Because if there was no conviction, then I'm not safe. And so conviction in itself would tell someone that they're erring from something. And so I haven't did that in probably 18 years now. But when I first got saved, I had struggles with that, which, you know, all of us have struggles. and But we have... Release him to God and he'll take that from you when you decide to give it up. And it says, wanders from the truth, so he's walking away blinded. And someone turns him back. So now you got to turn him back. He's speaking about those who are saved to tell a brother or sister their heir the way they would want to be told. You know what? Frank, you need to turn you, you're sinning, boy. You know, like that kind of, but in love. And really love, God's love for that person. What you're doing is wrong. It's not scripture. You need to come back. 
Now, if they harden their heart in turn, that's on them. But if they say, you're right, pray for me, then you've gained your brother. You know, the Bible says, well, we're going to get to that right now. I'm going to have myself, I'm almost going to finish. So. And so this is someone who turns away from God's truth. You know, I always see, when I see people like that, I don't, oh my God, look at that person. Oh, look at that pastor. First, I just look here and say, Lord, keep me. Help me to walk in your grace, in your love. And then I pray for others. You know, because so easy, people can point to other people and say, look what they're doing. Because they're probably doing the same thing. But when you pray for them and, you know, you go and share with them, hopefully they turn back. We as Christians need to speak the truth. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 25. We need to walk in the truth. Third John verses 3 and 4. We need to declare the truth. Acts 26, 25. We need to worship in spirit and truth. In John chapter 4 verse 23 and 24. We need to believe and know the truth. 1 Timothy 4, 3. We need to handle accurately God's word, the word of truth. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. We need to obey the truth. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. We need to be established in the truth. 2 Peter 1, 12. He's not going to be saying these things if he knows we're going to do it. He knows the struggle with the flesh to want to go this way. We need to be filled with the Spirit. You know, and walk in God's truth. Declare it, follow it, obey it, be established in it, settled in it. Are you settled in the truth knowing that Christ Jesus came in the flesh and died and rose again? Are you established in faith knowing that you're saved not by works but by God's grace? Knowing that others can walk away by choice. God doesn't force no one to go to heaven. He can blot their name out of the book of life. In verse 20 it says, Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the air. That word air is the same as wandering. Air is like, you know, in school when you made an error, you get an F, you failed, right? We're not failed, we're going to heaven because we're saved by grace. But someone can fail if they're erring and believe in other truths that are being taught out there. That you can live the way you want and go to heaven. You know, that reminds me of my old Catholicism. Beautiful, beautiful uh, gospel if there was ever one for a sinner. <laughs> what I mean is you can do whatever we want, live whatever you want, party, live it up, and go to heaven. Oh, that sounds so good. But it's not. It's a lie. It's a struggle we have because we want to walk against the tide, not go with the tide. It's a choice. It's an abiding that we need to do. Uh, 2 Timothy, oh, I might have trouble finding this one. I'm almost finished. Be like Paul, I have to go pick some of you up from downstairs. <laughs> if Paul teaches all night and someone just got tired, not tired of his teaching, but tired physically and went out. <laughs> yeah, go blow on him and sit on them or whatever they did and brought them back to life. Probably jump on his stomach. Boop. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-5. through 5. 
I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. So with all longsuffering, not just, oh, you know, having that love for the people and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have each years, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn, turn their ears away from the truth, and be a turn and be turned aside to fables. But you, me and you, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions. And he's speaking here to Timothy, but whatever you're doing for the Lord, keep on doing. He says, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. So whatever your ministry is God's given to you, He's telling you to continue, to endure all these fix, uh, afflictions that are coming, whether it's by word, by bills, whatever, by the water company, whatever. <laughs> we need to uh, continue. And I'm almost finished here. So to turn the sinner back, you see, brother, you might know, brother, sister, which I'm sure you do, that's erring towards that. You know, they're believing the lie. It's not the truth. The Bible says we need to believe in the truth first, that, Jesus, that we're sinners. And we need to receive Jesus and we're saved by grace. But we need to abide, you know. You see people practicing, you know, the Bible says not even those who are practicing, but also those who agree. You know, when you see that, you know it's either they're young and stumbling and need a little prayer, maybe a little reminder. Or maybe they're really lost and thinking they're going the right way. But we need to to uh, bring them back and speak to them the way someone you'd want to be spoken to. You know, how would you want to speak? The way you want someone to speak to you, if you have walked away, that's how you want to speak to them. Matter of fact, in our leadership meeting, that was part of the Matthew 5, uh, Matthew 5 I think, or 5.15, whatever it is. Uh, you know, if a brother's offended, you need to go to him and tell him his fault and get it right. And the thing there is, is, is going to match up with this scripture. It's keeping that love, you know, loving, not wanting to bring out their faults. You know, get it over with, so we don't have no bitterness that you sin against me. Hey, bro, I did. I'm sorry. You know, whatever you get it right. Matthew, I think it's Matthew 15, Matthew 5. What is it? Yeah, right. See, I don't know. I don't remember the scripture, but I know the principle. <laughs> Um, and this is kind of what it's matching up with here. It says, "Let him who know, let him know who that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul." Okay, now you save a soul, right? What's most important, your flesh or your soul? Your soul, right? Because your soul is either going to go up or down, right? Heaven or hell. So if we're speaking about a soul here, you'll save a soul. It means he's gone away, walked away, either gradually or he ran toward his whatever he went. Ran away, whatever one he chose. You will save a soul from death. That death there is not physical, because all of us die physically. And sometimes God, if someone comes back, does take them home. But this death here is speaking of spiritual death. You'll save a soul from spiritual death. Okay? So it's talking about eternal fire, eternal fuego. You know, death, hell, all that stuff. And cover a multitude of sins. Now that cover, if you kind of uh, remember, and some of you are 
just learning and stuff like myself. That cover in the Old Testament, they would cover the, the Jewish people's sins. He couldn't wash them, he would cover them. This is that kind of word, but it's not used in the f- fact that you're washed. Because you can't be covered and go to heaven. You need to be washed from your sins to go to heaven. Because Jesus covered it. You know, you ever gone to a restaurant and he, I got it covered. You pop out the frog skins. Money, I call them frog skins. Dollars, presidents, whatever. Yeah, we have to believe that Jesus paid for our sins and confess them. We need to be washed from them. So that cover here is not that kind of cover. But that cover is... Uh, to conceal and protect. You got me? You remember a long time ago, I don't know how many years it was, there was this pastor who was messing around in the street with the women out there. You know, I'm sure God spoke to him, sent somebody to him. He kept probably meddling with it. And then what happened? He became a, a what do you call it? A, no, I don't want to put him that way. Uh, movie star. If you should put him on the TV, and blatantly put him on TV and showed what he was doing. You know, he was out there with prostitutes. You know, was a pastor. Um, it's sad. I don't say that like like uh, you know, but this I'm trying to share what this kind of word means. That wasn't concealed. That wasn't protected sin. You know, I'm sure God told him to turn from it, convicted him, sent people to him he chose not to. And God blew it out with the trumpet, right? Because he loves that man. He wanted him to turn still. He didn't want to turn. And, and it's that kind of cover, you know, because the Bible says there's nothing hidden that won't be revealed. You know, other people's sins, they think they're hiding, doing sneaky things. It's going to be open, right? Now, me and you, we're covered and we're concealed. Not only that, we're washed. You know, I wouldn't want my sins to be on that screen. You know, I confess them, whether the thoughts, deeds, whatever. Where we fall short, you confess them. God's washed you. He's thrown, casts them as far as east to the west. He remembers them no more. So you shouldn't remember them no more. And so he conceals, he protects that. That's what that word cover means. It means cover a multitude of sins. So it's not just like the Old Testament cover like that, but to not put you out on front street, you know, which is again Matthew 18, right? Is Matthew 18, 15. Matthew 18, 15. And that's what the thing is, you know, if a brother sinned against you, you go and tell him, or a sister, you know, she made some bad cookies or something, I don't know. You know, you want to tell her what happened, what, you know. <laughs> but you go and confront that person one-on-one, and they speak to you, and you, if it's done with, it's done with. Okay, you did your part. And it's the person who's got offended needs to tell someone. You know, because sometimes people don't know they'd offend us. I know they did. And sometimes, you know, people make a big deal. Oh, you offended me, brother, you know. You know, come on. If it's really offensive and it means something to you and it's going to affect your spiritual life and you walk with God because of another brother, you need to tell him he's, he's wrong and get it right. Um, it's that kind of thing. You know, and it says if they don't want to hear you, go get another person and confront them. If they don't hear you again, you know, bring it to the church, the pastors, whatever. And if they don't get right there, boom, boot them out. Right? It's that kind of thing. Uh, remember the guy was messing around with his mother-in-law, I guess? And they were still letting him stay in the church. You know, hey, brother, you're saying it's okay, you know. And then Paul told him not to be doing that. And so they kicked him out, and he confessed and repented. And he came back, and he didn't want to keep him there now. See? So they confessed it. They get right. You bring him back. You know, encourage him, strengthen him in the Lord. But if they won't hear you, you know, even the Bible says, 
to deliver someone to Satan for the salvation of their souls. That's even heavy. You know, if you see a brother or sister sinning with sin unto death, but in doing something really bad, it can take you spiritually dead. He says, you know, give them over to Satan. That even if at last their soul would be saved, even if their body's lost. You know? And so that word cover means he protects it uh, and doesn't blot it out. Just like us were to have, uh, which is uh, lo- uh, to love one another for love covers a multitude of sins. You know, we love one another, pointing fingers and praying for you, get right, we stay right, you know, we have any problems with each other. We to make amends so we can be right before God, so God can hear us. You know, because if you're not right with your wife, God doesn't hear you. You know, I heard so many times these guys with the husband and wife arguing, whatever, and they're not right. And they go, I'm going to go pray, you know, Lord heard me, and you know, this, but wife, you see, you know. If God didn't hear you, the Bible says you have to get right with your wife. You have to get right with your brother or your sister if someone has offended you in the church. Get right so that God can hear us, right? And that's what it means. We're covering it. We're not saying, hey, that brother or that sister made some bad cookies. Guys, don't buy from her no more. And this is an example, right? It's a silly example, but it's an example. And that's what it means to cover a multitude of sins. Because, you know, that person who straight away, they must be doing a lot of sins. But once they come back, you think God's going to hold them accountable for everyone if he confesses? No. He forgives them. And those who know about it, you know, which are hopefully people who keep their mouth, you know, zip tight for the protection of that person, draws him back. No one ever knew what he did. He's confessed, you know. It's between him and God. We're not God, you know. Whether it's a pastor or whatever, you know. They're not God. They're there to, to keep the peace and keep the church going clean, you know. And so, so he finishes up here, which is beautiful. James here, uh, with that, he's finishing up on, if you see someone straying away, you know, pray for them. Uh, Love them, encourage them with God's word. You know, be that witness, be that example to them. Um, so that's some finishing because after all this exhortation, he ends up here finishing, you know, if anybody wanders from the truth. After he's already exhorted you to be with their tongues. Oh, it's just beautiful, man. And so we end with that. Dear Father, we come before you, Father. and Lord, we thank you that your word is truth, Father. And there's no lie in your word, Lord. Don't no matter how people may change it because of their sins or because they desire for people to follow after them, Lord. But Lord, I just pray for us here in this church in Pasadena, Lord, for those who come here, Lord. That Father, you keep our pastors to continue uh, depending upon your word as a plumb line, Lord. For us as the body here, brothers and sisters, that we would continue to study your word, Father. Uh, to show ourselves approved, Father, not being ashamed, studying your word. Your word says to, to continue reading until you come back, Lord. And it's not just to keep us busy, but to know the errors and stuff that's going on for us these days, Lord. That we might keep our eyes open and our hearts pure. That we may know what's right from wrong. And Lord, we do pray for all those pastors, whether the Calvary Chapel pastors or whatever pastors, whoever they were, who you called and raised them up to teach your children, Lord, and have turned to fables and lies, Lord, being tricked by this, by sin or willfully doing it, Lord. I pray that you would speak to their hearts. I pray for your flock who hears the word, Lord, that, Father, you would help them to be in your word, Father, they can know what's right from wrong and just walk out of that church if it's wrong teachings, Lord, or confront the pastor, 
concerning the scriptures, Lord. So I pray you protect us all, Lord. We look forward to you coming back for us, Lord. Let's pray for our family, our friends, this nation, Obama, the Pope, uh, all the religions around here, Lord. You might make yourself known to them that you are the truth, the life, and the way, Father. No man comes to you except through your son, Jesus. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for these gracious uh, men and women here, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.